Well, good morning, church. Great to see each one of you out there this morning, and uh, I'd have to say with that good morning, you're a little bit more awake than the nine o'clock crowd. Great to have each one of you here. May God bless you for uh, pulling back the covers and being in God's house this morning. Well, today I want to share part two of our uh, summer series with you this morning called Grace. Last week, Pastor David kicked off this summer series talking about God's saving grace, how God who is so full of grace, reached down when he didn't have to, and he made a way for us to know him, to be saved from the penalty for our sins. And so today we want to continue that series with part two, and I want to talk with you about God's restoring grace. And I want to talk with you about how his amazing grace, his amazing mercy, or we could even say his amazing kindness that he gives to us in spite of our sin, amen, (laughs) that he gives to us in spite of our sin, that grace restores us on the inside. That grace repairs us and then reinstates our relationship with him. His grace truly is amazing. And it's not, I don't know about you, but it's not fear that draws me to God. It's his grace, amen, that grace that he gives, gives to us again and again and again. It's that amazing grace and love that draws me to God. In the San Diego Superior Court, one day there were two men standing trial for robbery. And uh, an eyewitness then took the stand. And the prosecutor said to the eyewitness there on the stand, were you at the scene of the robbery? And the eyewitness said, yes. And then the prosecutor asked, did you see a vehicle at the scene of the robbery, leaving at a high rate of speed. And the the witness said, yes. And then the prosecutor said, did you see the occupants that were in that vehicle? Did you see them clearly? The eyewitness said, yes. And then in a booming voice, the prosecutor asked this question, and do you see those occupants in this courtroom today? And suddenly the two men on trial went, (laughs) They raised their hands. You see, today, as we talk about amazing grace, we need to understand that we have to confess our guilt to get God's grace. At some point, like these guys on trial, we got to say, I'm here. I did it. We got to get really honest and say, it was me, God. I did it. I admit it. I'm guilty. Because every one of us have messed up. Every one of us has done something absolutely wrong. All of us are guilty of going against God's word in some way or taking some sinful action against somebody else. We're all guilty. In fact, the Bible says it this way. Take a look as we begin. The person who keeps every law of God. Are you there, folks? Have you kept every law of God? But then that person makes one little slip, is just as guilty as the person who's broken every law there is. That scripture tells us we've all slipped, we've all sinned, we're all guilty. So the big question is, then what is guilt? What is genuine guilt? Now, we've all felt the impact that guilt can have on our minds, on our bodies, on our emotions when we've really messed up. I mean, when we've really hurt someone, 
when we've really been caught in sin, when we've really done something destructive, we've disobeyed God. We've all felt the impact on our minds, emotions, and bodies when we've messed up that way. And the Bible describes the impact like this. David says, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. Folks, guilt is overwhelming. And it can be all-consuming. Guilt is accompanied by fear, the fear of somebody finding out what we've just done. And guilt is such a heavy burden or a heavy load, it's almost impossible to bear. I like to say it this way. Take a look, look at this on the screen. Guilt is that overwhelming weight that can sit on your spirit when you know, you know, you have really hurt someone. It sits on your spirit. It weighs down your spirit. And in some cases, it even crushes your spirit. You know that you know that you messed up. You know that you were absolutely wrong. You know that you've hurt your relationship with God. Or maybe with this person that you hurt, a friend, a spouse. Maybe your child. Maybe an employee that works for you. Maybe a, a relative. You know that you've hurt someone. And then the weight of your guilt gets overwhelming. Kind of like this. Take a look at this. <laughs> the weight gets overwhelming. In fact, the weight of your guilt can become crushing. And even paralyzing. So you, you really can't even move. You can't function for God. You can't be who God created you to be. Because you're under this weight of guilt for what you have done. Now listen close. The heavy weight of guilt is not there to just make you feel bad. But it's also there as a warning light saying something is wrong. Something in your life needs to get fixed. And so God built us in such a way that we could feel this, this heavy, heavy burden of guilt saying... I want to get your attention. Something's got to be fixed. So when the warning light in your car begins to blink, what's it telling you? It's telling you there's something wrong. When the light on your dash begins to blink, it's saying something needs to be fixed. You know, uh, one day I was on the freeway going uh, to a wedding, and uh, Shirley and I were all dressed up, and we were rushing to this wedding in orange, and, uh, you know, traffic was heavier than normal. And we were going down the 91 freeway, and then all at once, this car in front of me picks up a piece of metal that was lying on the freeway. They hit it. Their tire throws it up, and it hits my Yukon in, in the back. And I thought, wow, I've got a big dent. Didn't think much about it. But all at once, this light on the dash <laughs> starts coming on. And I look at the light, and it's the low tire pressure light. Now, I could have just ignored that light. I could have pretended that nothing was wrong, nothing needed to be fixed, and I could have just gone on my merry way, but I'm glad that I didn't. So I stopped at the side of the road, I looked at my back tire, and sure enough, that piece of metal had punctured the side of my tire, clear up in the tread area, punctured it, and air <laughs> was coming out. And so we were on our way to this wedding, and we were rushing, rushing like crazy. And it's a good thing I paid attention to that warning light because 
I would have not made it to the wedding. And a couple in this church would have not had a pastor to marry them that day. <laughs> but because I checked the warning light and fixed what needed to be fixed, I mean, we had to stop at three stations on the way and fill up with air, as much air as I could get, and go a few miles further, stop at another station, go a few miles further till we made it to the wedding. And I said, Shirley, call AAA. You're in the parking lot. I'm in the church. All right? <laughs> and so we ran into the wedding and barely made it. The bottom line is this. When the warning light of guilt comes on, fix the problem. Don't pretend it's not there. Don't ignore it. Why is it there? It's because of some sinful action. So fix the problem. Guilt is God's warning light. So listen, guilt is that overwhelming weight that sits on your spirit when you know that you've hurt someone, God or someone else. But next... How in the world did you handle that kind of guilt? Maybe you've been, maybe some of you have been carrying that kind of guilt around for a very long time. And you don't know what to do with it. How, how do you handle that? Well, most of us handle guilt the same way that the very first man and the very first woman that ever existed, Adam and Eve, the way they handled guilt. Take a look at this. When they had done something wrong, the Bible says this. They sewed fig leaves together, made something to cover themselves, and then they hid from the Lord. I was afraid, said Adam, because I was naked. She, Eve, gave me fruit from the tree, so I ate it. In that scripture, which we just kind of took little short portions of a a larger scripture, we find that we respond to our guilt in the same way that Adam and Eve did. First thing we did, write this down. We hurt. We hurt like them. We feel so bad about what we've done that we, we hurt, and then we try to do something to make us feel better. That hurt drives us to take on some kind of action to make us feel better. So here's Adam and Eve understanding for the very first time that they were naked. They felt so bad about their disobedient action of eating from the tree, the fruit from the tree that God said don't touch. They felt so bad about their new condition of nakedness that they went and they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves so they would feel better. They messed up, they knew it, and they hurt, so they did something to make themselves feel better. Now, like Adam and Eve, when you mess up, your guilt makes your spirit hurt. It sits heavy on your spirit, and sometimes it can crush your spirit. And everybody else can be walking around really happy, but you're like this. You're like this girl, everybody else celebrating, having a good time, enjoying life, but you've got the heaviness weighing down on your spirit, and you just can't get happy. Maybe some of you are like that today. You just can't get happy because there's this weight of guilt on your heart and mind. The second thing we do, like Adam and Eve, is we hide. We simply hide. We feel so bad about what we've done that we hide. We begin to isolate ourselves from other people. We kind of stop hanging out with our friends. Sometimes I even watch people stop going to church. We're guilty, we're ashamed, and so we begin to isolate ourselves because we don't want others to see us hurting, and we don't want others to perceive that something is wrong, and we certainly don't want others to ask us what is wrong. And so we isolate ourselves, we hide. And that's exactly what Adam and Eve did. (laughs) They hid in the bushes from God as if God couldn't see them. (laughs) Kind of crazy, right? 
as if God can't see us wherever we are. You know, you can play hide and seek with God if you want, but he always knows. <laughs> I play hide and seek with my granddaughters a whole bunch, you know, and they think they're fooling me. They always hide in the same places, you know, <laughs> and they think they're fooling me, but I know where they are. And, you know, God knows where you are. You can't, you can't hide from God. There's no place you can go where he can't see you. And the second part of that is hiding doesn't help you. It doesn't fix your problem. Hiding doesn't relieve your guilt. And then the third thing we do is this. We hurl. Now, there's another connotation I want to take than hurl, okay? <laughs> but what do we hurl? We hurt. We hide. We hurl blame. We, we, we hurl blame at somebody else. We say, well, it was her, her fault. It was his fault. It wasn't my fault. And when we hurl blame towards somebody else, we look like this guy right, right up here. Not my fault. <laughs> uh -uh, it's, it's your fault. And we just kind of turn away. Uh -uh, not me. And we hurl the blame at somebody else. He looks like he's saying, not mine. It's yours. And that's what Adam did to Eve. God says, Adam, did you eat of the fruit from that tree? Didn't give a yes or no. He just said, she, <laughs> her, she gave it to me. And he passed on the blame. So instead of saying, God, yes, I did. You caught me. I I'm sorry. I'm ashamed. Adam hurled the blame. So when it comes to hurling blame, Adam and Eve looked a lot like this next picture. <laughs> they were doing this. They were both involved, but they were doing this kind of a thing. And you and I look the same when we hurl the blame. But that's how most of us handle our guilt. We try to blame, pass it off. Once again, guilt is that overwhelming weight that sits on your spirit when you know that you have hurt someone, God or someone else. And then you try to handle your hurt by doing something to make yourself feel better. Then you try to hide so others won't know what you've done. And, and then you try to hurl the blame at somebody else to lighten the load that you carry so that you will feel better. But listen, when it comes to dealing with our guilt, God has a whole different plan. He has a whole different process that he wants you and me to follow. And it's right here in 1 John 1.9. The question is, how does God want you to handle guilt? Here it is. God has given you a process to follow when you do something wrong. A process that can deliver you not only from the consequences of your sin, but the weight of your guilt. Because you know what? God knew that we would stumble. Amen? Still with me? He knew we'd stumble. He knew we're not perfect. He knew that we'd be tempted by our tempter. And so... He knew we needed a process to deal with our sin and our guilt. And here it is. The Bible says this, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. So listen close. God is not a condemning God. He's a restoring God. In fact, Jesus even said, I came into this world not to condemn the world, but to save it. Amen? Are you happy about that? Tell me. Are you? Amen. He came to not condemn us, but to restore us. And he will give grace to you because he desires more than anything as your loving Heavenly Father to restore you. 
And his restoring process has three parts to it. First of all, write this down. First of all, he wants you to tell him the truth. God wants you to just be honest and say, God, I did this. The truth is, I did it. I confess it. Just tell God the truth. Don't try to cover up, but instead face up to what you've done between you and God. Face up to it. Tell him the truth. See, the Bible says this. David writes, God, you know what I've done wrong. I can't hide my guilt from you. And folks, that's true. We may be able to hide it from some people for a while. We can never hide anything from God. He sees it all. The first scripture that Tricia had us read this morning said, you can go anywhere you want to go, but God's there. (laughs) You can go to the depths of the sea and the heights of the heavens, but God is there. You can't go where God is not. So don't try to hide something that can't be hidden. Your sin. Tell God the truth. Then the second part of the process is this. He wants you then to trust his character. If you confess your sins, he says, I am faithful and just. He wants you to trust him that he'll be faithful. If you'll tell him the truth, he'll be faithful to you. He'll be just. He won't be unjust. He wants you to trust that he will do what he says he will do. He wants you to trust that his grace will be given to you. He wants you to trust his character that that he will forgive you like he said, that he will restore you, that he will be faithful like he said. You don't have to fear him. You can trust him. Amen? You can trust God. He's not a condemning God. He's a restoring God. He's a God who wants to come even when he catches us messing up. He wants to come wash us clean, shower us, love us up, bring us back. That's who our God is. And so he wants you to trust his character. That that's, that's who he is, a restoring God. The Bible says this, let us come near to God. You see, we can come near to God when we understand that he's that kind of loving, grace-filled God. We don't have to have this big, ugly fear like he's got the baseball bat instead of the hose. We can come near to God with a sincere heart and a sure faith, a sure trust, because we have been made free from a guilty conscience. Folks, you can come near him. You can enjoy his grace. And then the third part of the process is this. Then he wants you to take his forgiveness. He wants you to really take his forgiveness. He wants you to reach out and take his offer. You see, you can trust him to cleanse you from all of your unrighteousness. You can trust him to forgive all of your sins. Now, in that scripture, it doesn't say, if you confess your sins, I'll be faithful and just to forgive you of most of them. Doesn't say that, right? He says, I will cleanse you and purify you from all your unrighteousness. Folks, we need to understand that. All. And so you can take God at his word. And then you can take his offer of forgiveness for all unrighteous acts. The Bible says this. People who believe in God's son are not judged guilty. You come to Jesus Christ. You tell him and you take it and you trust him and you take his offer of forgiveness. He will wash you clean. But then as a believer, you're walking through this life and you, you get in the mud. 
and you get messed up, what should you do? You should tell him the truth. You should trust his character. You'd come back, get near to him once again. Say, God, I confess I did it. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to turn from my sin. And then I take by faith your offer of forgiveness. And then the Bible says the son does not judge us as guilty. Amen? That's awesome. You see, he his grace not only removes your sin, but it removes your guilt and restores you into a right relationship with him. I like to say it this way. God's grace restores your inner place. When you really turn to Jesus Christ and you tell him the truth, you trust in his character to forgive you and you take his forgiveness by faith. When you do that, the weight of guilt is lifted. It's lifted. And your inner place, where that heaviness used to be, that burden you used to carry, is released by the Lord Jesus Christ. And all of God's church said, that's just who God is. And he wants to restore you. So on the inside, he makes you right with himself. On the inside, he makes your spirit light once again. On the inside, he removes the weight of your guilt, and he gives you the gift of grace. Does that mean that you and I will never go out and and blow it again? No. But it does mean that when you do, tell him about your sin. Trust him to forgive and take his offer of forgiveness. That's exactly what Abraham did. He was a guy who struggled with lying. The father of our faith struggled with lying, and yet God forgave him and blessed him. That's exactly what Moses did. He was a guy who committed murder. And yet God forgave him and blessed him. That's what John Mark, who went on Paul, on a missionary trip with Paul, but he left the ministry. He left Paul alone on a missions trip. And yet God forgave him and blessed him. That's exactly what Paul did. He was a guy who approved the persecution of Christians. And yet God forgave him and blessed him. God not only wants to free you from your guilt, he also wants to use you in some amazing ways like these other guys. No matter what you have done in life, it's not too much for the grace of Almighty God to forgive and cover. Amen? That's our God, a God full of grace. But how do you start the process? Just like King David did. David said this, I finally admitted all my sins to you, Stop trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess them to the Lord. And you, God, forgave me. And all my guilt is gone. Here's the bottom line. When grace comes, guilt goes. When you really surrender every sinful thing you've ever done to God, grace comes in and guilt goes out. That's who our God is. So, folks, this morning, don't keep hurting. Don't keep hiding your sin. Don't keep hurling blame at other people. But do start telling God the truth. Do start trusting God to forgive. Do start taking God's offer of forgiveness. Allow the grace of God to restore you, to really restore you. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? In a room like this, there's always one of us, maybe sometimes more, that have gotten in the mud. 
we've messed up this last week. And I've just given you the process that God wants you to take to handle your guilt. Would you just take a moment and pray this prayer in your heart as I pray it so that your guilt can go away as the grace of God comes into your heart and life. Pray this in your heart as I pray it. Father, thank you for your grace. I don't fully understand it, but I thank you for it. I choose to follow this process so you can free me from the weight of my guilt and so you can restore me and use me. So, Father, as I leave this place, I'm going to find a place and take a moment to lift my sinful actions to you. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to trust you to forgive. And I'm going to take your offer of forgiveness. Let your grace flood my spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.